Hello, this is Jensen Franklin, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Our goal is to provide you with biblically-based teachings that will challenge, inspire, and equip you to live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe today to this podcast so you can get the latest updates from us and you don't ever have to miss a new message. Let's go right into the service, recorded at Free Chapel. I believe it's gonna bless you today. Look with me in Psalms 119 and verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Open my eyes. The implication is it's possible that wondrous things are all around you, but you can't see them. Jesus one time said to the Pharisees that they, religious people, that they have eyes, but they can't see, and they have ears, but they can't hear. But Jesus was saying, you have to have your eyes open. And in this text, David said, open my eyes. Everybody say that with me, where you are. Open my eyes and show me wondrous things. There's wonderful things in your life right now if you just quit looking at the half-empty part of the glass. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of good going on in your life right now. You need to get your eyes open to the good things. And so I want to tell you a story today, and I want you to lean in and listen for just a moment. It's a story that was first told by Mr. Russell Conwell. He heard this story from an Arab guide when he was touring the Middle East back in the late 1800s. He was on camelback and around the campfire, his guide told him this story. Mr. Russell Conwell took the story and put it in a pamphlet and it was printed and it sold 7 million copies. So moving was this lesson that he got from the story and it's not a it's not a bible lesson he doesn't approach it from a scriptural you know preaching kind of view but he was a businessman and he wrote it for business people and uh he was asked 7000 times to give his speech on the title of his book that I'll give you in just a moment And from the prophets of the book and the speeches, he founded Temple University. Temple University in Pennsylvania has over 25,000 students who are being educated. And it came from one little talk that he heard a story around a campfire. I wonder how many jewels like that and things that, that we've had, ideas and stuff that we've... Somebody said this, I think it was um, Miles Monroe said, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he said the wealthiest place in the world is not the oil in Saudi Arabia, it's not Wall Street. The wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard. It's full of books that were never written, songs that were never sung, ideas that were never birthed, that could have brought great, great, great blessing to people's lives. I don't want to take it to the grave, do you? Now here's the story. The story is this. 
He said there lived in South Africa, it's a true story, by the name, a man by the name of Ali Hafid. He was a poor farmer. He had an ox, he had a plow, he had a lot of land. He lived in a very meager house. But in many ways, he was blessed and he was content until a stranger came by his house. He worked hard for everything he had day after day and a stranger was passing through, a traveler was passing through, and he stopped by and told this old farmer about what was happening in India. In those days, they were discovering mines, uh, diamond mines in India. And you know how things get exaggerated, and he said, what you should do instead of working so hard and working yourself silly and you don't have much to show for it, even though the man was content. If you're content and you're blessed, you got enough for you and your family, you're, you are blessed. But the man, when he started hearing about people who were finding diamonds the size of rocks and becoming fabulously rich, became totally discontented with his life. And he sold the whole farm. And he said, I'm going to chase the diamonds. I'm going to find them. And he hugged his wife goodbye, put his money in a sack, said goodbye to his children, put them up temporarily. And he said, when I come back, we'll be fabulously wealthy and you'll be set up for life. And he goes off as a soldier of fortune looking for diamonds in India. And after searching and searching and searching, he ends up writing a note that says, and I quote, there's no diamonds anywhere. He jumped into a raging river and took his own life. Now here's the part of the story that's amazing. It's a true story. The man who bought the farm hooked up the same ox, the same plow, the same field, the same old farmhouse he lived in, and he ate the same food. But one day, as he was plowing his fields, he kept noticing these black rocks that were extremely annoying to him, and he was throwing them every few feet to the side of the field, stacking them up. Finally, he hits one so big he can't hardly get around it, and he thinks as the sun hits it, it has rainbow colors in it, and he thinks to himself, that's pretty. I don't have anything on the mantle in my little fireplace, my humble place, and I'm going to put that up there as decorations, and he did that. And a priest came by to welcome this man who was new to the community to that area. And the priest, while he was talking, froze in mid-sentence when he saw this rock on the mantle. He said, where did you get that? And he said, I got it on this property. I actually got that one out of my garden. And they're all over this property. As a matter of fact, I can't, I can't plow a field without running into so many I have to stack them up. He said, you don't understand that is a diamond in the raw. That is a diamond right there. And sure enough, they took it to specialists. And that diamond, that first diamond, was worth $25,000 in the 1800s. It was the birth of the world's largest diamond field, the famous Golando Diamond Mines, that the Queen of England herself said, I want my diamonds to come from that place. And most of the diamonds that the queen wears came from these minefields that the man bought and dug out. 
that somebody else said, it's not worth anything. It's out there. It's not here. Now think about what I'm saying. The man who flung himself into that raging river never realized that he had been living on acres of diamonds. He thought it was out there. He thought if I could just find it out there, if I could just go out there, that I could really find something of great worth, never realizing that he was living in acres of diamonds. You'll find this story repeated again and again. Some people here this morning don't even understand and realize the unsearchable riches of Christ that you're living in right now. You keep looking for something greater. You keep believing that there's something out there that's better than what you can experience in Jesus Christ. And I'm here today to tell you that if you know Jesus, if your name is written in the book of life, if you have a Savior who will not leave you nor forsake you, you presently are living in acres of diamonds and you don't even know it. He tells one more quick story. He tells one more quick story in his little book called Acres of Diamonds, Dr. Russell Conwell, the founder of Temple University. He tells the story of a man who had a dairy farm in Pennsylvania, and that river that was going through that dairy farm had a terrible smell. It was so rancid that he dammed up the river because it, the water seemed to be so foul that the cows wouldn't drink it. One day he just got aggravated because everything that he got to, to maintain those cows came so hard because the river seemed polluted. And he sold the whole farm in Pennsylvania for $833. The man who bought the farm noticed the same thing, the river smells. He brought in a geologist and they had them look, specialists look and research. And they found out the reason that the water had a stench is it had pure coal and oil that was all over that land. Sure enough, they put oil wells out there and they had over a hundred million dollars worth of oil in just a few years. Those oil wells still flow. They built a whole city around those oil wells in Titusville, Pennsylvania. They continue to flow even as I speak. One man saw worthless, nothing, $833 farm, the whole thing, that's all it's worth. And he didn't realize that he was living on acres of diamonds. Now that's how he meant that lesson to be, is check out where you are before you start trying to find it out there somewhere. But I wanna preach now because I remember reading a story about a prodigal son. I don't know what he had in his mind when he left the father's house. I know that he asked for his inheritance. I'm sure that he had some friends who were telling him, man, out there, they're having fun. If you just leave the father's house, out there, there's a party going on like you've never experienced. Out there, there's freedom. Out there, there's unbelievable fun that you can never have in the father's house. And you ought to leave the father's house and get out there. Whatever 
it was said to him, it caused him to leave the riches of his father's house. And when he got out there, you know the story. He lost everything that he had. And he began to believe the lie that the grass was greener on the other side. And the bottom line is he ended up broke and he ended up in, in a pig pen eating the slop with the animals until finally he realized and he understood I'm going right back to what I left because everything that I've ever wanted was in my father's house. It wasn't out here. It's in the father's house. And I've watched people as they've walked out. I've watched people and young people and older people as they get a little bored with the father's house and the enemy dangles something and says the grass is greener on the other side. That out here we're having fun. Out here there's joy. Out here, there's fulfillment. Out here, there's everything that's missing in your life. And I've watched people walk away from a good marriage and walk away from a good life and walk away from a relationship with Jesus Christ to go out into the world because they were not pursuing the Lord like they ought to. So they thought they'd find it somewhere else only to come back and find out everything they were looking for was right back right here in Acres of Diamonds. I'm preaching to you today that we right here this morning on a Sunday morning are living in Acres of Diamonds. If you know you're saved, if you know you're going to heaven, if you know that things are right with God, you are living in acres of diamonds. Take a praise break and I'll keep moving. Don't sell out so cheaply. Don't believe the lies. You may be giving up something that somebody else would give anything to have. You see, in the process of making a diamond, it takes time. A diamond is born because of intense heat and pressure. It's the intense heat and pressure on carbon monoxide that takes just coal and causes a diamond to be born. In other words, listen carefully, if the pressure is just right, if the heat is just right, and the coal will submit and not get up and move away from the heat and move away from the pressure, but only the pressure and the heat can cause the coal to give birth to a diamond. That's where diamonds come from. I'm telling you that you shouldn't run from your trials. You shouldn't run from them, for in them you will learn more. You will become more. You will do more. Quit jumping from marriage to marriage. Quit running from, from church to church every time something happens you don't like. Right, stay right there where you're under heat and you're under pressure because only then can diamonds be born. He will not put more on you than you're able to bear. God knows just what's involved in making a diamond out of you. In every church, there's acres of diamonds. But you can get so sidetracked with one little thing somebody says or somebody does or something you don't like and walk away from acres of diamonds because the enemy pulled you away 
to greener pastures. I'm saying to you today that there's no church without trouble. And there's nobody who's going to live for the Lord and not have trials. You're going to have trials whether you live for the Lord or not. I tell people this all the time. Everything's better with Jesus, including trouble. And you're going to get trouble in life with or without Jesus. I choose Jesus. I choose the one who can carry me through. When I can't make it, he can make it. He can conquer. He can triumph. Many people are living in spiritual poverty while they're in the midst of untold spiritual wealth. That's why David said in Psalms 119, open my eyes to the wondrous things all around me. Open my eyes. Let me see, God, what others, they may say it's trash, but you see the treasure and open my eyes. I'm blessed right now. I'm healthy right now. It's not when I get a car or when I get a promotion or when I get a bigger house or when I finally make it when this happens the single people when I finally get married, the married people, if I could just be single. I'm, I'm telling you, it's always out there and you don't realize you're living in acres of diamonds. You need to take that old plow and take that old ox and get a smile on your face. Appreciate the job you have right now. You're living. Make something out of where you are right now. Turn to somebody and say, dig in your your own backyard. I thought about Abraham and Lot. I like this sermon. I do. I'm enjoying my good preaching, Brother Franklin. Amen. It's the truth. We mully grub and whine and complain. And I don't like this job. I don't like. And somebody else is going to take that same job and find acres of diamonds and get promoted higher and higher and higher while you're sitting there whining and flipping a burger. I, I wish they'd discover me. Ain't nobody going to discover you with a nasty attitude, acting like you, they're blessed to have you. Somebody else will take that same skillet and flip it with joy and get all into it and end up owning the place. I need somebody to shout if you believe you're living in a... God didn't leave you without potential. God didn't leave you without opportunity. You need your eyes to get open to the wonderful things that are all around you. Abraham and Lot you know, Lot was a smart guy. If you're not blessed, get around somebody who is blessed. Leave all those losers and get around somebody who's blessed. And Abraham had such a blessing that Lot just attached himself to Abraham. And the Bible said his flocks began to multiply. And he began to be blessed so much so that their herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham started having arguments over the grass fields and the streams. And so really now, let me just teach this. Lot was the younger and Abraham was the elder. Lot should have submitted to Abraham, but Abraham was a peacemaker and he didn't want strife in the family. So he said to his little nephew, you choose whichever direction you want to go. And he looked over at the well-watered plains of Jordan and he saw the green grass and he looked this way and he saw the desert and tumbleweeds and, and cactuses and rattlesnakes and rocks. And, and he said, the little, the little boy, the young person 
said, I don't want that. I want that. And oh, by the way, I see in the horizon, it looks like Las Vegas. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, doesn't it look like diamonds out there? We're going to have green pastures. Come on, family. Come on. He pitched his tent towards Sodom and we're going to have all the green grass and we're going to have all the water. And, and on top of that, there's a beautiful, exciting, look at the fun they're having in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes in that direction and Abraham goes goes into the wilderness with his herds. And the Bible said that he never did find, I never read where he found diamonds in that place. He lost his wife. He lost his girls. He lost his reputation. He lost his honor. He lost his place. But Abraham is out in the desert. Now watch this. There's nothing out there. It's dry. It's hot. It's pressure. It's heat. It's pressure. It's heat. And one day he's praying, God, open my eyes to wondrous things. And he looks up and he sees the stars. And anybody else would have just seen stars. But that night he saw something in the star and he saw a voice that spoke in the stars and said, as the stars of the heaven, so will your seed be. And then he looks down at the sand, but anybody else would just say, it's just dirt. It's worthless dirt. You're in a God forsaken place. But he looked at the same dirt and God gave him a vision for his life. And he said, as, as the sands of the seashore, Abraham, so will natural, natural Israel, spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel is the stars. That's the church, the body of Christ. You and I gathered here today. And natural Israel is the sand, the earth. You got a spiritual and a natural family that you're going to give birth to. It didn't happen in the beautiful place of Sodom and Gomorrah and the green grass of Jordan. It happened in a desert when God opened his eyes. The very thing we would run from, the very place we would say, this is not blessed, that's blessed. But when God puts you there, it's so the pressure and the heat can give birth to a diamond of vision in your life that will change your family forever. There's a phenomenon that takes place in South America in the Amazon River. When it meets the Atlantic Ocean, the Amazon River rushes out. Back in the days before they had radio and technology like we have it today, the ships had to signal one another with signal flags to communicate a message. And one of the ships at sea had gone for many, many days. They could not see land and they had run out of water and they were in their third day now without food for many days, but now three days without water and the men were dehydrated and about to perish. And on the horizon, they saw a ship and it got close enough that they could send a signal by flags. And the, one of the men on the boat took the flags and began to signal, we need water. We're in dire condition. We need water. Please, please come give us water. And as the boat was passing, it signaled back, let down your bucket. He signaled back and said, they must not have understood. We need water. We are dying. And he signaled back, let down your bucket. And the ship kept going and rode off in the horizon. And the captain said, I don't know what he means, but we might as well give it a try. They let down the buckets, pulled the water up. 
And as soon as they took a taste of the water, amazingly, the water was cool and clear, fresh water. Here's what had happened. For 200 miles, there is a rush and a surge of fresh water from the Amazon River that is so clear and so cool that it pushes the heavier salt water all the way down and there's clear, cool water for 200 miles where the river runs into the ocean and it was under their nose the whole time. They were thirsting to death. All they had to do was let down their bucket. I've come today to preach that if you're thirsty, if you're empty, if you're dry, let down your bucket. There's healing for your body. There's blessing for your family. There's provision for your needs. Jesus is the living water and it's not out there. It's in the Father's house. This morning, right here, we're living in acres of diamonds. Just let down your bucket. Do you need joy? Do you need hope? Do you need faith? Do you need a future? Let down your bucket. People have had the answer right under their nose and quit. So near, but missed it. I think about that thief on the cross, two of them. Now you listen to me. Jesus is hanging in the middle and there's a thief on one side and he looks let's say this pulpit is Jesus and the thief on one side looks and he sees worthless nothing he sees blood he sees a crown of thorns he sees the blood spurting out from his side and his feet and his hands he hears the master moaning and groaning and praying, Father, forgive them. And he sees nothing but worthlessness. And he curses the Savior with his last breath and he goes into eternity. On the other side of the cross, there's a man looking at the same thing the other guy saw. The same blood, the same cross, the same suffering, the same wounds, and his eyes get open to wondrous things. And he cries out, remember me. You're not a worthless piece of trash. I see a treasure on that middle cross. And would you remember me, King Jesus, when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus turned to him and said, this day you will be with me in paradise. You just found acres of diamonds. Both of them looking at it. See, I want to preach this morning. Don't you take your salvation for granted. Other people heard it, but they didn't get it. Other people sat in the same service and didn't repent. But thank God he opened my eyes to who Jesus is. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived. I believe he died and I believe he rose again and I believe he's coming back again. And he's taken me home to acres of diamonds. Just wait till you see my brand new home. Isn't it something? 
And, and one's looking and sees nothing. Just like people sitting in here. I don't like this church. I don't get nothing out of this. I didn't want to come here. And others sitting there, hallelujah. How do you explain that? That's why, that's why we ought to be a grateful people. Because you know people in your family that have heard the same gospel and they, they're cold as a rock. But here you sit, fighting back tears, got your foot trembling during the preaching, hand going up, acting like you really believe that Jesus is the Savior and he's forgiven every one of your sins. I'm living in acres of diamonds. How about you? Here's the thing. We're always, when I get that, when this happens, when I get that breakthrough, then I'm going to be happy. When I get that house, when things settle down with my children, when this happens, when that thing happens, when, when this thing happens, when I finally get that promotion, then I'm going to be happy. And you don't realize your greatest treasure, the greatest treasure was in the middle of that cross. And you know what your greatest treasure is right now. But there were two thieves on the sides of that cross. The thief of yesterday and the thief of tomorrow. Yesterday says you can't be happy because of your past, the shame, the guilt. So let yesterday rob you of the joy of today. And tomorrow says, things aren't exactly like you want everything, so you probate your joy and enjoy your life when you get over here. But right there, you ought to be miserable. And there's two thieves every day to our greatest treasure, which is right now. And some of you let yesterday steal what you have right now. It's over. You can't go back. You can't change it. It is what it is. So now, therefore, now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. And I'm not going to wait till everything's perfect. I'll do that when I get to heaven. But since I'm here right now, I'm going to live in acres of diamonds. i got a blessed life. I've got a blessed wife. I've got a blessed family. I've got a blessed church. I'm highly favored of God. I don't have everything perfect, but this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and appreciate acres of diamonds right here right now. Everybody listening to me, take a praise break and thank God for the diamonds. The thing that got me about this story is we've overlooked so much. There's some things money can't buy. And a man took the same ox, that's what messed me up, the same plow in the same field that somebody else said, this is, this is worth nothing. This is trash. I hate my life. Somebody took the life he hated and turned it into acres of diamonds. So you hate your life. I promise you there's somebody in intensive care 
who would take you with your little limp or your little arthritis or whatever it is, your bald head, whatever it is, they, they, they could care less. They'd give anything to live in your acres of diamonds. They'd get some joy today just knowing I got 10, 15, 20, two years to live, six months to live. Somebody will take the same ox, the same plow. But I just, I just wish I was married to that one, not this one. I, I need me a Bradley Cooper. And that ain't Bradley Cooper. Yeah, you're not a little hot, sexy thing either anymore. You, you better realize. But here's the thing. If you don't treat your wife right or your husband right, if you don't watch it, somebody else will come along and they'll take that same old ox <laughs> that all you can do is fuss about this and fuss about that, but there's somebody that'll take that same, that old thing you married, take him, take her, and turn them into a diamond. You don't know why men and women have affairs? It's not, but have you ever noticed most of the time it's not a, I've noticed this, I, maybe I can't prove it as I've never done a statistic or anything on it, but I've noticed like sometimes I want to say, why did you have an affair with that one when you had one that was that pretty? You ever notice that? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with one valued, one and it's sin, of course it's sin and all that, but if we're not careful, we don't appreciate what we have right now. And somebody could take the same scenario that you're cursing and turn it into acres of diamonds. Sometimes when I, when I get to having a pity party with me and say, you know, the church ain't growing like I want it to grow. And especially in the earlier years, I'd get so frustrated and and about what time I'd have the excuses as to why the church can't grow. We're in a little town and blah, 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 blah. And I need to just settle for this. I'd, I'd hear a little voice in my head say, I don't, I don't know if you know who Chris Hodges is. He pastors an amazing church in the Highlands. They got 17 campuses and, and Craig Rochelle pastors Life Church. They got 36 campuses and they run every Sunday over 80,000 people in all of their services and all their campuses. And the other day, you know, I, I, I was thinking, um, you know, I wonder, wonder this and wonder that and wonder if, and the Lord said, if Chris Hodges had this church, it would grow. If Craig Rochelle had your church, it would grow. I don't appreciate you getting joy out of my illustration. I, I sense that. But it made me, made me realize somebody could take if I've settled, somebody could take this same plow. And I mean, we're doing good, but, but I'm just saying, when you get settled, like when your mentality is you're making excuses, you're not, you're not mining up the diamonds. Dig in your own backyard. There's acres of diamonds you've overlooked and not seen. I'm closing, but listen. There's hidden potential 
in things right now, in job that you have, the place where you are, in your present job, in your current relationship, in the location you now live. The answer to your dreams may be right at your fingertips. If only you would believe that it's possible. Before making a big life change, look carefully around you. There may be acres of diamonds. And the thing that touched me about the story of the prodigal son is this. He came home to find happiness that he did not find when he lived there. And isn't it funny how once we've lost something, we don't know what we've lost and what we gave up until we lose it. You're living, folks. I'm telling you, right now, you're living in acres of diamonds. This is a word in season for people's lives. Appreciate right here, right now. Begin to enjoy your life right now. Thank God for your family and love them like they are right now. Don't worry about tomorrow and don't let the thief of yesterday steal you a valuable time that you have here on this earth right now. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app, or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.